This is the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and this is the show where I bring to life the true failures, the true successes, and the true learnings from recruiters and recruitment business owners globally. This podcast is now sponsored and supported by Hunted. Hunted is one of the best places on the internet for recruitment content. Of course, one of the reasons why I decided to partner with them is crucially, we share a common goal to help recruiters get better at their jobs. Hunted write about everything you can need in your career, from productivity hacks to helping your time management to TED Talks and reading lists. They offer in-depth insights into worldwide destinations and, of course, there's everyone's favorite recruitment wolf, Mr. Ed Hunter, who's not quite as scary in real life, but that is a story for another time. If you haven't yet checked out Hunted's content, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Aziz, and today I am joined by Will... No, I forgot. <laughs> Van Plu. Van Plu who works for Consult Energy and is the director of US operations. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for the help there, mate. I'm going to keep that. I actually quite like that intro. Is that all right? (laughs) To set the scene, I think this is actually, yeah, so this is the first recruitment rollercoaster episode recorded in on Birmingham soil. Proud of you. Yeah. Well done for venturing up there. However, you don't have a Birmingham accent. Fortunately, I don't think anyone <laughs> would take me. I don't, don't think anyone would take me seriously. So from Birmingham soil, but we're not from a well, Birmingham born be, and bred recruiter. No, you're not. Like to be fair, I came from like a little village in Leicestershire. Okay, and obviously there's nothing in Leicester generally. So <laughs> um, I had the option of going down to London or Birmingham, and typically I've always done things in the opposite way to everyone else. I've literally okay. just done the opposite. So I. At school, everyone went to like Manchester Leeds for uni. I went to Exeter. At Exeter, everyone went to after uni. After uni, everyone went to London, and so I decided I'll go somewhere. You're a misfit, mate. Well, basically, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Unique. Yeah, yeah. I prefer unique. That's good. <laughs> cool. So where I um, always like to start, as you know, how did the unique Will, the misfit, end up in recruitment, mate? Talk to me. Um, I've dreamed of being a recruiter. Not really. Um, so by pure chance, like pretty much everyone else. So mm. I had a I had a friend who actually worked for Michael Page in Nottingham. Okay. Um, she was a year above me at uni. Um, and she was she had a, a really good like first year with him. Okay. Um, what are we talking, six figures? I don't, know, I don't think so. I think she was doing like temp. But basically, you know when you don't know recruitment? She was yeah. coming home with like bottles of champagne every week really? and like employee of the month and stuff like that. So she must have been doing all right. I never really asked her about it because I didn't really care about recruitment (laughs) at the time. (laughs) Um, But she she actually recommended and she went, well, look, if you don't know what you want to do, 
then these might be worth a conversation. I had it in my head that I wanted to uh, be a lawyer. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I did law and politics as an undergrad. Really? Yeah, Dexter. And Fuck it. Um, yeah, basically had it in my head. And then I did two like stints at a law cha- a barrister's chambers. I did a like week in a solicitor's. How was that? Realised how fucking boring law is. Oh, my God. So my what? friends will kill me. All my friends are lawyers. Like, really? but, no, that's um, fine. Every, I mean, each to their own, right? But yeah, so my, again, I'm so uneducated on the context of what it's actually like working in the law industry. But a short snippet and a short window that I got which really put me off of you like one I never considered I did AS law and I survived one year Um, (laughs) and um, but anyway so my roommate when I in a flat in London I had a roommate and he was a trainee solicitor yeah honestly he was never home really and what and, and why why that was was because honestly he was at the office like pretty much 22 hours a day Really? Yeah. He said that at these law firms, they have barbers, they have beds that you can yeah, sleep in. in. Like, they will do everything to, and apparently it's just like... In London, they can be a night... So there was, a, there was actually a guy that died at his desk, I think, in a law firm. Shut up. Yeah, no, he was taking drugs to keep him going for, like, sustained periods of time. And this is like... And everyone... I think people in the office noticed that he was, like, always there. It's oh, like, my yeah, God. Yeah, and, like, a lot of people, you just find... It, it's... I think it's a bit different. In, in Birmingham, it's a bit more chilled. So mine was the opposite. I mean, maybe we just have different like, friends. <laughs> but that, was like, that ethics, was like a short snippet of like, it's training solicitor. Yeah. It's you, know, you always hear like, it's fucking hard and all yeah, that. Yeah, but exactly. I was like, oh my God. I mean, the barristers that I did like a, a couple of weeks with, like they are always, went on holiday, they literally like their suitcase is half books. Mm. Like that, that's all it is. So, yeah. And like I was all, <laughs> that's what turned me off law. In terms of like, I'll just always have to work. I'll always be in the office. And then I came into agreement, which is probably the only industry that <laughs> where, I'll, where I'll work more hours than, than a lawyer. But even, even now that like, I've got a couple of friends that are, are barristers and like you look at their like Instagram photos and it's literally them next to a pool with a law textbook. So oh at least I know that if I, in, at least in recruitment, if I like can flick through some emails and whatever else, then that's like the extent done. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> not for me. Interesting law tangent there, but mm. that, okay, cool. So fell into it. Um, and okay. So, and then just to set the scene, consult energy, you've worked for, Nearly six years. Yeah, nearing six years now. Okay. And then you worked for an agency for a short period beforehand. Yeah, doing on their, like, in inverted commas, grad scheme. And did basically, I was a receptionist for was a receptionist. six months and okay. doing a bit. So, so like, what, your perception of recruitment at that point was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, was it, was it quite <laughs> negative? It, it wasn't necessarily, like, about recruitment. I think it was more about I, got, I got suckered in by a company that has... And we used to ring around as like part of the, the one of the projects we used to do. It was like ringing around Brussels, Paris, um, two offices in London, Manchester. So that's kind of like what attracted me in the first instance. And then I knew like after that just didn't work out in terms of probably the mistake I made in terms of just being attracted by kind of the glitz and glamour of several yeah. international offices, bigger company. And again, kind of, I never really intended to work for them. I was just temping through them, mentioned that I do that I was speaking to other people about a recruitment job and I was working there a week later. Mm. So it's never as if I like went out intentionally to work yeah, for a yeah. company. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I don't think I went to a really like traditional like academic grammar school. 
So like sales was like really frowned upon. Yeah. So it was like I can so see that in you. Yeah, man. sorry. I, I like so <laughs> we used to, we did this really weird thing in like sick form, and I'm not sure whether peak schools still do this because my school was like from the 1950s. Um, but you literally had to do like you did a test, and it's like write as many circles as you can in 10 seconds, and like you had to solve like as many logic tests as you could within like 20 seconds or whatever. And it was like this weird thing that apparently had like nothing to do or seemingly had nothing to do with that. But the careers guy we had at school was like, it's actually weirdly accurate what it comes out with. And I can remember it coming out being like, you'd be really well suited to sales. Really? And I literally like screwed up the piece of paper and threw it out. <laughs> and I was like, I'll never work in sales. That's so it's interesting. Like, yeah, it's just like an absolute like demonized thing. It's like, unless you were, unless you're a lawyer, a doctor, or some kind of academic, my school were particularly happy. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, yeah, so it's like, I mean, where are the billionaire lawyers and stuff? Like the tech, com- they didn't ignore, they ignored tech. I think computer science was half a GCSE. Yeah, it's school. crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's crazy. So, um, okay. And then, just to, and then just to give everyone a bit of context around Consult Energy, yeah. but so you've been on the typical sort of, trajectory of someone that's joined the business went from consultant senior consultant managing consultant director yes Is that, was, that's fair yeah 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 absolutely i was a bit of a guinea pig for all of that so i was the first well i think i was the first senior consultant they had right the way through to managing consultant first manager and now okay, first cool. director but that's the sort of uh, progression that you yeah do. yeah, okay, yeah cool and you hear that all the time right yeah our director joined at this level and, and progressed it right so that's great so we're, we're going to break that down okay. But just to help everyone listening, um, Consult Energy, uh, give me some context of the actual business in terms of how big is it and these types of things, like when you joined to where it is now. Yeah. And then um, we'll dive into your recruitment journey. Yeah, for sure. So when I first joined, we were like proper startup. So we weren't actually called Consult Energy. We were yeah. called Consult Solutions. And we were kind of your typical kind of generic agency, really. Yeah. We had... A few guys, a couple of guys doing IT, a couple of guys doing, I think, Rich was doing finance. I was brought on as one of three to do, I did energy and utilities, another girl did nuclear, and another guy did oil and gas. Mm. So kind of spread your bets a little bit. And within, I think, three, four months, the other two that I'd started with had gone. Two of the guys, two of the other guys on IT had gone for like making up cool stats and... Like it was one of those hilarious scenarios where I'm sure it's happened in, in every office, but the guy was pre- even pretending to be on the phone. Really? And Kev, the, one of the founding directors, literally could listen into the call. So he was listening into his call and like there's no one on the end. And it was just like one of those horrible like car crash moments where like he's talking down the phone to no one and the director can hear that he's speaking to no <laughs> one and no one's replying. That's and it's so just, but I've heard like other stories of that happening at like other agencies. Yeah. It's just like, just surely it's easy just to talk to someone rather well, than... Well, to a certain degree, I can relate. So, okay, so, but ultimately, uh, small grand business, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So quite similar to the... So obviously, I joined a business of eight people yeah. and, and what I was going to say that, okay, cool, so... Let's break that down. But what I would love to just touch on there, which I think is really interesting, because I, ha- I had this challenge, yeah. and some people may have it listening, if they're early on or whatever, you definitely get over it. But just very quickly on that point before we move on, I think when you are in a small open plan office, I'm assuming, everyone can hear what you're saying, yeah. 
is it can be daunting. Like you think if I'm, I'm going to call, do a BD call now, whatever, like you are worried about what people think in the office or how people are going to listen. You can stuff. be, I guess it's in terms of your mindset and it's something that I yeah. say whenever we interview people. It's like you either see something as, I guess, kind of a, either a, a risk or I guess kind of something daunting or like a real opportunity. Mm. So the one thing that uh, Rich and Kev, the, the founding directors of the business have been really good um, with is that ultimately they've rewarded people that, that have the right attitude. Yeah. I think that's the one basic thing you've got to have with everyone. But yeah, I, I, I never felt it personally. Really like, fair think, enough. Yeah, we had the right support. Like I knew that if I did the right things and I guess kind of put in the right levels of effort, then I guess kind of it, it, there would always be there. And I was really keen to improve as well. So, and that's never really stopped. So I think that's... Okay, cool. Yeah. So first year in recruitment, yeah. how was that? Tough. Really? Would yeah. you straight into the deep end, straight sourcing, straight working jobs? Saying so, we had, well, to be honest, what I thought was quite a good probation. Um, so, we like to get through the first three months. I had to do a set number of calls, but I had to pull and place my own job. Really? Yeah. In the first three months? Yeah. Oh, so, uh, like, it's, it's a bit more hardcore than a lot of, like, in, even like what we look for from resources and uh, training consultants now. But I think that's like a really good, good way of doing it because it's mm. kind of like, you get thrown in at the deep end after kind of month one, really. And it's like, right, okay, well, you've got to go out and hunt for your own so Did you build your desk from scratch? From yeah. Scratch? So we had, we had two clients and I got handed one job before I placed my first one, before I pulled and really? placed my first one. Yeah. So we had just started working with um, McCann's Cooperative. So we started working with Co-op Energy, who we've worked with for, for years now. Um, and we lit my second week. I think we signed an agreement with with British Gas. But really? Yeah. After that, it was literally like building it from absolute scratch. Really. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So, how did you actually get on in those first twelve months, then, mate? So you said it was tough, but like, how? Firstly, how did you do billings wise? Like, how did you get on there? So, I'm not actually sure about billings. So I did contract. Oh, sorry. So part, okay. Yeah. So part of the reason first, the first eighteen months at the company, I was pure contract. Oh, okay. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Um and. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it was tough. It was, what, four years after the recession. Mm. So I'm out there, like, pitching a £1,000-a-day contractors to people that have laid off half of their workforce and stuff. So it's just like, I guess it's just spotting opportunities, like, as and where you see them. So um, I guess, kind of, again, quite lucky with a couple of relationships. But I think I got up to eight or nine contractors in the first kind of 12, 18 months. So minimum GP on those would have been 100 quid a day. So I think first year, probably I don't know, 80, something like that. Okay. But so just to help me out, because I was a perm recruiter. Mm-hmm. What, so what in your, looking back now, what, what, so what did you focus on early on? Was it really cultivating the, is, like, would you say it's more difficult to get the network of candidates or the jobs? For contract? Yeah. Jobs. Is it? Yeah. So it's interesting that because obviously perm jobs are probably a bit easier, I'd say, in my experience. Yeah. Jobs that you can, I mean, you'll hear a lot of consultants go, oh, I'm fucking got jobs coming out, yeah, yeah, coming yeah. out of my ears, right? Yeah. But contract is more actually, you can typically may have a bit more better access to candidates yeah but jobs are a bit more harder to yeah do. and i think candidates are a lot more proactive in terms of because ultimately like it's in their interest yeah to, yeah absolutely they're always on a three to six month cycle generally of looking yeah, at contracts okay, or whatever sense. else so so how would you okay so knowing that then um how 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 did you cultivate client and, and pull leads then through 
yeah, how did you manage to do that? So first and foremost, the, I guess kind of the ultimate go-to for me was a list of what we call trade attempts. So they're attempts people based contracting at companies you want to work with, but through other agencies. Okay. Um, so basically draw up a list of those, I guess kind of speak to them. And Where'd you get that list from? Just LinkedIn applications. As I said, like candidates are always looking when the, when the contractors uh, so, generally. So basically let's say you spoke to X contractor yeah. And he was like, well, actually, I'm working on a six-month contract at the moment for this business. Yeah. Wasn't for you, obviously. No. Right, I'm going to write that down. That's a target client. Yeah, exactly. And, okay. you, and you build up quite a clear map of, like, which clients hire contractors in the first place. Okay. So you really mapped out they, the market. Yeah, what areas they, they hire them and stuff like that. So that that was absolutely go-to with, uh, with contracts and mm. seemed to work all right. Okay. And then, all right, and then is that typically how you built the client list in the first 12 to 18 months in the contract piece? Yeah, really. really? Yeah. So, you talk, yeah, the, well, it's, you just go with the market, don't you? And if you recognize that X company is hiring or has 20 contractors on its staff or whatever else in your area, mm. then you know that they're one way or they're one way you're going to get a number of wins or, or you would hope to get a number of wins. Okay. Because um, you're only going to get so many wins from an SME. They might hire one, two, three contractors, mm. generally speaking. Um, like if you want to hit the big numbers, which obviously I didn't before I moved to Perm, but mm. of the contractors or, or contract consultants that are on like 100 contractors, they're working with like big accounts big account. that hire 10, 20 contractors at a time. Okay. So before, before we move on, just a quick one, just to run that off, just thinking of people listening and the questions I typically get asked. So knowing what you now know, nearly six years on, obviously if you was to well I guess if you're a contract recruit right now and you used to go back and yeah. start building a contract desk so you just said that you'd map out the client stuff like that definitely the most common thing I get is around building a desk from scratch and business development and these things how would you advise people to actually approach pulling these jobs from a contract perspective I think you've just got to recognize the the state of I guess kind of the, the supply chain okay. so you've got to recognize that as a contract consultant, your finger is going to be on the pulse with hiring managers yeah. because within two weeks, the job will probably be filled. Mm. So you've got to be a lot closer to source. So you've got to be really tight with your hiring managers, really tight with your questioning. Like, don't waste your time assuming. Mm. So the one thing with contracts, that, and the one thing I wasted probably a lot of time in my first few months doing is, are assuming well so and so has project managers yeah, so they might be contract that. but can never actually, assume can you yeah exactly and you spoke but i was speaking to a hiring manager who had never hired or never hired a contractor or had one 10 years ago and actually all those project managers were perm so actually he's not a really that worthwhile contact he might take one if he was really really short but really you want to be focusing on your energy on people that have contractors in their team you know those contractors are looking to leave and then that's a, a much more marketable lead for you mm. so just, just basically be really tight with everyone involved in that yeah be tight make sure you, you map your market properly that you know your trade attempts you know exactly where they're working um, you know what their status is and make sure that you know the hiring managers and that you're keeping tight with them so it's it can be a really really lucrative industry but it's a it's really kind of labor intensive. You've got to be really, really on it. And most of the contract consultants I know that are like really, really good are like super switched on, super engaged. Have a good memory. Yeah. That's mad. Hmm. I've noticed that quite a lot. Okay, cool. So that was the first 18 months. Mm -hmm. Why did you then move into Perm basically? Um, just basically I, need, I needed to map out the, the clients more 
Um, obviously, it's only me again at this stage, and we get a lot more client penetration by offering perm services than we could just contract. Um, again, kind of the effect of the recession was still lingering. Some teams, obviously, or a lot of teams, 70% of the market don't have contractors on their team, so I'm not talking to them. Um, and ultimately kind of made the decision and sat down with, with Rich and ultimately just said, we need more, we do need more co- uh, clients. We need to get more of a, I guess, kind of a client base in the industry. So I want to move to Perm and I want to break into more clients, basically. So it was an opportunity that you saw, basically? Yeah, yeah. And like, it's, it's, again, kind of you go off what your candidates are saying, what your clients are saying. And if clients are coming back to you saying, we'd love to use you, we think you've got a really good kind of niche, but we only hire perm people. Like, you've got to yeah, kind you of... You should listen to that. Yeah, you've got to, yeah, you've got to adapt to that. And it's the same way that we've done everything in terms of the, the company, in terms of obviously rebranding in, in later years and stuff like that. Everything's been based on what our clients are telling us and what our clients want. And we've just grown in accordance with that. Yeah, no, it's really smart. Okay. And then ever, just to set the scene then, ever since then, been in Perm? Perm, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Cool. And then, so then, at what period did you become a senior consultant? After, so I did probation, so training consultant was three months. I think I was then a consultant maybe for, for two years. Um, what did you have to do to get to the senior level? Just bill a certain amount, or but, well, bill a certain amount. Again, kind of everything was a bit of a. I was a bit of a guinea pig for everything. So when I came into the company, I mean, I've pretty much written the career path with <laughs> side by side with Rich. Yeah, that's like, fine. In yeah, and it, it, but that was what I was promised at the start. I I made it clear that I wanted to progress in the company, and um, from the start, kind of everyone was like, right, okay, well, as and when we feel like you're comfortable, we'll sit down and we'll put together a clear targets and a clear progression path, et cetera, which now is great for people coming to the business yeah. because it's written and everyone knows what to do. But for me, it's all a bit of a, a trial and error process. Well, that's so. I think that, that's such a unique and cool thing a small growing business can offer, right? Which, mm. which I really like, I yeah. think. Um, okay, so 18 months contract recruiter, um, two years, two year mark, you got to senior consultant. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, how long was it until you became? And then, did you go to management? Manage- management consultant. So okay. that's kind of like trainee manager kind of role. Okay. So basically, same as senior con, but few projects, few more responsibilities, bit more training around. Was you managing man- anyone? I think I was mentoring one or two people. Okay, cool. Um, but it's more like a trainee manager kind of role. Okay. So the senior consultant, uh, senior, consult- senior consultant journey then up into the management piece. Firstly, I'd love to um, get your thoughts on how did you how did you find that transition of contract to perm then? Fine, because I, I could still leverage the relationships that I built when I was doing contract because I knew all of them had perm. But in terms people of the in process. Um, was it was it I don't know was it difficult was it weird to get used to because obviously the cycle's a bit longer right yeah the the cycle's a bit longer but I guess kind of it's I didn't find it too difficult to be honest it's a bit of a slower pace I guess it allows you just to do more you can have more balls up in the air because they take so much longer to come down Mm. so it's a bit of a slower pace but Really, some of the contract clients we had, to be honest, took their time. I was talking to you about really? like British Gas, who like took an absolute age to fill contract roles. So, mm. really, if we're going to work to those time periods, like moving to Perm wasn't wasn't that much difficult. Okay, and I guess do you think do you think it helped you in terms of you said you got to be on it and these types of things? It it like gave you a bit of a urgency, that sort of urgency when yeah. do you know what I mean? Because that that typically could not be there if 
your perm from straight away compared yeah. to, do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's like an amazing way to cut your teeth in recruitment. Mm. I think it's really hard. Mm. Um, I don't think there's any like contract consultant out there would tell you that it's easy. Mm. Um, but no, it's really, and I'm impatient, impatient at the best of times anyway. Really? So yeah, suit me pretty well. So to round that off then, if I'm a con- contract consultant thinking about going into perm, yeah. what do I need to think about? Um... I don't, I don't think it's too much. Like, really? I don't need that, to overcomplicate yeah, it. Like, yeah, don't overcomplicate it. Like, absolutely fine. Like, you'll probably find that a number of your, unless you're moving sector, like a number of the yeah, hiring managers will be exactly the same. Like, it's just a lot more, it's a lot harder work and probably a lot more candidate oriented. Yeah. So it's hard. So you're having to go out there and actively headhunt. Whereas like, I could, in contract, I'd always trust that I had a list of trade attempts. Like, they, they'd pick up the phone constantly because they're always in need of some something. Um, they're really, really easy to get through. There was no... I mean, we'd go out and headhunt some, but generally I had like the relationships there. And again, everyone picks up the phone and comes back to you. So with Perm, the only, the only difference really is that probably the candidate's a bit more of a candidate scarce market. Mm, okay. And then, <clears throat> so when you flipped to Perm then, was that, was you still building that from scratch then or nah? It was just building off the back of the the 18 month? Y- no, like- yeah, yeah. So it was kind of same, same clients. No one had done Perm Energy before. Really? Um, engine utility. So again, kind of leveraging what relationships I could transfer over from contract, but yeah, pretty much from from scratch again. So, how the fuck did you go about that then? Same way as you do contracts, like really? just map out the market. We this is probably a time where we plugged pretty heavily into like the industry news piece. Um, okay. So like really plugging into like industry research, industry news. Uh, making sure that we were signed up for like all of the magazines possible, which obviously lists like all of the senior people that come out in terms of like spokes pieces and stuff like that. Um, so there's there's a lot of stuff you can do out of work in terms of just googling stuff, in terms of, like researching industry news, whether you do like energy, like energy and utilities, or what we do, or you do tech or whatever else. Like go to events, speak to people, understand where they're going, understand what they're reading. And again, kind of just do your own research because that's what, for me, that's what's made us quite unique in terms of just the, the degree of industry expertise that we've got. How would you leverage that then? How is, how is that going to make you more money? Um, I think it should be more credible on the phone and actually mm. picking at the phone and being like, look, I read the I read for us Utility Week this week. Um, I thought your your piece about this was really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, particularly like your thoughts around this. I'd be really keen to, to discuss. So you'd use it to drive conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's I think really that interesting. You can get various hooks, can't you, in terms of referrals or whatever else. But I think like an info drop is really, really good. It shows that yeah. you're engaged. It shows that you're a specialist in your industry. And it makes you stand out, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. As little as, little as that is. Yeah. It, de- it definitely does. Because how many other recruiters are talking about these people around yeah. these types of things? Exactly, yeah. It's interesting. And then, just on that, out of interest, mm-hmm. like, was it weird calling people and then opening with that? Because I feel like some people would be like, nah, why, that sounds a bit weird. Like, why would I do that? To be honest, it made me feel a bit, I guess, kind of more assured. Really? Yeah, so, like, the only, the only calls are probably, like, more at the start where, like, you have your script and it's like, hi, I'm Will from Consult Solutions at the time. Um, and then once those two lines run out, you're, like that's it gone like you, you're, you're on your own ultimately whereas this I think you can ask a really good open question around a piece of information or an article that you've read 
and most people will come back like pretty enthused about it because these are people that enjoy what they do yeah, typically yeah. and if they're out in a in a paper or a magazine like speaking about something it's probably something they're really interested in so actually it's something that's going to get them talking and provided you're opening asking open questions mm. like it just keeps them talking a bit more and that for me have always been they've always been the easiest calls like mm. the ones where it's the one word answers etc oh, which mate, have been horrible aren't they absolute nightmare yeah okay I mean, that, that's, I'm just interested with that because obviously with everything that I'm doing now helping people um, use content and these types of things is is pretty much that that's how you can then ultimately use what you're talking about online to then drive sales conversations yeah. and all of a sudden if, if we were hiring manager at British Gas or whatever is coming to engage with my content then that's a reason for me to call them reason for me to reach out and use that to actually reference why I'm getting in touch and you're going to stand out and it's a point of difference. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's obviously helped with that, which is interesting. Yeah, exactly. I know that in my circumstance now, so if I was approached by, let's say, a wreck to wreck, and it happens like five times every day, but the ones that I would open would be, I saw you posting on LinkedIn. I thought this was really interesting. Yeah. Re- really interested about... Not going really, straight in for the kill. No, exactly. Really interested about how interested you are in the market. You everything, know your stuff. Here's someone that off the back of that I thought would be really relevant for you. Um, and I've never necessarily been a kind of 60, like call a day mm. consultant. I'd much rather research my clients, make sure that they know that I know who they are and it's not a mass mail shot and they're not the 70th call of the day using exactly the same script. Like mm. for me, it's just not, not really the, the way that I've worked and, and built it so far. How did you get on billions wise then up until manager level? Um... Because at this point, you're doing a solid stint in Perth. Yeah, so I think kind of roughly around just under the 200 mark. Mm. I think that was, that's similar. the year before management, before manager was just under 200. And I think it had to, I had a really good strong finish to the year. Um, and then kind of becoming a manager was like a real, like awakening experience. Really? So that, yeah, it was. Did you want to manage? Yeah, yeah. So my going back to like me being doing the opposite of every everyone else. Yeah. So all of my family are basically like teachers, head teachers. They all work in schools. They're all public sector. Yeah. Um, and the one thing that I took from that, I definitely didn't want to do that. I never wanted to work in a school or public sector after like hearing some of the stories that that yeah. they they've told me. But the one thing that I got from that is that like I really wanted to manage people. Yeah. My mum was a head teacher. Uncle's a head teacher. Like they've all managed people. And I guess kind of they've been pretty good role family. Yeah, exactly. And like, I'm not, I said to, to everyone here at the start, like I, I'm not motivated by money massively. Like okay. that's not my primary driver at all, but career progression was. Mm. And that's where consult's been like phenomenal for me because mm. they, everything they've, they've, or they've promised me in terms of career progression, they've, they've absolutely delivered on. When did so. you become less motivated by money? I don't think I've ever have been. Like I, I had a car crash telephone interview after uni and there's this rector coming out, up out of the blue and he, he was like, right, okay, well, so-and-so referred you. I was like, all right, okay. And he was like, I've got two, two opportunities here for two companies. One of them was like tech, one of them was oil and gas. And he was like, right, okay, all you need to say on the telephone call is how money motivated you are. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not money motivated. Like, I can say it, but I'm, I, I'm not. He's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just, just say you're money motivated and you'll be absolutely fine. I was like, right, okay. And it was just a car crash because they were obviously the immediate next question is, so if you're money motivated, give me some examples where you've really gone out of your way to get money. 
And apart from working since I was like 14, there's like no example of yeah. like wanting to, I guess, buying a Breitling or a, or a Rolex or whatever else. Like mm. I've just been since like a really young age, I've always been really competitive and I've always like really wanted to, or since working, always really wanted to progress quicker than anyone else. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't say, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm particularly money made. But that was your primary driver, which is why management is something you was excited by. Yeah, exa- exactly. And I think that like I was more motivated by being at the top of the leaderboard. Rather than the money element. Yeah, yeah okay, exactly. That makes yeah. sense. Okay. So, talk to me, so, you, so you said it was a, an, an awakening. Let's, let's uncover that then. What... So just to give some context, so when you became a management consultant, yeah. what were the extra responsibilities that you got with that? Um, so at that point, we had hired um, another guy on to work next to me. I think he might come on actually when I was a senior consultant. Okay. Um, so we kind of re- really grew things out. So I guess kind of there were mentoring duties whilst when he first started. What did that actually involve, mentoring? Just, just like if they've got questions, if there are any... The questions around like sales, it just means that the directors don't get so tied up with, I guess, kind of basic sales training and stuff like that. So and you become the go-to person. If yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. You're there. I mean, you might. However, if there was a real problem, they they wouldn't speak to you straight away. It might, yeah, they might yeah, exactly. Okay. And like, yeah, so it'd be more questions around like the database, or maybe some questions around like what to say on a call or something mm. like that. Um, and then there were set like sales targets that had to build a certain amount over three months or mm. whatever else. Um, but yeah, it was. It's did you then do like one-to-one meetings or anything like that, or I sat towards the end. I sat in on like monthly board reviews and yeah. stuff like that. And then obviously, when I was a manager, I, I took them um, on mm. my own. So, so what was difficult around that transition? It was just so it was, I was a billing manager, and managing the two, I just found really hard. Mm. Like time management is something that I've had to work really hard on throughout like my career really like I'm just not a very naturally organized person would you say that was your biggest challenge the time management piece and and it was it was really difficult so the person that I kind of mentored and we were like really good friends by the end of it we worked together for two or a year or two years or whatever and in the end it was taking that step up internally and I was managing him and like he's quite a strong personality and like really good guy but I think there's there was a real dynamic shift and it didn't necessarily kind of sit okay, that's too comfortably so I think managing that was hard was, yeah was, was so, man- so what you're saying there managing the oh Will's actually like my quote unquote proper manager now he's not like yeah, a mate if you, if you can imagine like but working aside a mate and then all of a sudden you're managing them yeah. and it's yeah I, I think so it's, it's like where do you draw the line with stuff yeah it, exactly and it, I think it it was just a bit of a, a dynamic shift and yeah because <laughs> <laughs> I was such a great manager yeah <laughs> okay I mean look you don't have to go into all the details but look, why was that difficult then because I feel like people definitely listening would have to go through that because if you think typical recruitment business they're always fucking shoving referral fees down your throat yeah. will 500 quid mate if you get your mate or whatever and that can quite easily happen that you, re- you manage a friend or whatever yeah I was it, was, yeah, what was the challenge? If you were to round that whole experience up, like what was the challenge that you found really difficult? I think it's. I, I think you'd, you'd be fine as long as you set your stall out early. Yeah, so set the boundaries, set like... Yeah, and it's like thing, things will change, but I think it's probably worth... And one of the things that I would absolutely recommend and, and I would have done in hindsight is probably just had to a, had a sit down and being like, right, okay, well, look, this is the way it's going to have to work from now on. And I guess kind of clearing the air at the start. Whereas... 
what can happen and what might have happened on on some occasions here was that I guess kind of whether it's like bordering on resentment or I guess kind of some kind of like unease so like just sit down sit down with them straight away clear the air this is the situation like this is what I need you to do this is what I expect from you and I guess kind of encourage like I want you to be the next manager so and that absolutely would have happened had he stayed but it was just a case of a bit of an unease at the time and yeah that makes sense. yeah so you mentioned time management Talk to me about your journey with that, because I think that's come up quite a lot on this podcast, and it's definitely something that I is I have a challenge with now. Like, how? What was the challenge when you was yeah managing your billings, managing the mentorship relationship, the guy that you now have with time management? How did you manage that? And um, yeah. Um, so basically, as I was a man when I first started being a manager, I was far too unorganized. Um, but effectively kind of the way that it worked for me was to have five minute catch ups and so you'd have five minutes at the start of the day does everyone know what they're doing let's have a run through of the jobs let's go through everything so everyone knows where they are and just like trust people to be adults and then five minute lunchtime where are you, you we said we were going to be there etc what do you do in five what do you talk about in five minutes I feel like that do could go so quickly yeah I guess it is but Ultimately, as long as you're organized, and you're like, right, okay, these are the jobs that we're going to run through. Right, five minutes. What are our plans for the morning? What are we looking to achieve? What? So you set what we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. exactly. What, but it's got to come from them. If you say, right, okay, I'm expecting 30 sales calls yeah. this morning, they come back to you saying, well, I'm, I'm never So they tell you in that. five minutes, right, Will, these are the jobs I'm working, this is what I'm focused on, Bosh. Yeah, this is what I want to achieve. And you and tell then, them, right, give me like five minutes in the morning, what you'd focus on this morning, and they yeah. tell you in five if, minutes. If you got any, is there anything, any kind of issues or anything you'll foresee being a struggle? No, okay, crack on. Lunchtime, okay, where are we? Talk to me, what issues have we had? What are we looking to achieve this afternoon? And it might not be five minutes, it might be 10 minutes, it might be 15 minutes, but by having those, kind of set segments it means that people can raise issues but also you're then also free to I guess kind of free up the majority of sales time for you to do the business development for your own desk mm. and what I struggled with at the start was I would just be like dragged from pillar to post there would be issues here issues that not necessarily issues but there'd be questions here questions there yeah. and you can focus yeah exactly and you can basically I didn't do anything particularly well like I basically gave advice kind of as and where it was, but I didn't necessarily structure my business development well enough or then I'd focus on business development because I was behind where I needed to be and probably didn't give the team the focus it deserved. So it was just, a, it was a real like trial and error period for me. But and how long did that gone for? Yeah. So I was a manager for a year and a half and I'd probably say it's first six months were, a re- were like a real challenge. Um, and what was the turning point then? When did you start to realize, hang on a minute, I'm doing this totally wrong? Da, da, da. Yeah, I think I think it's just obviously everything's trial and error, but I think it was just a learning piece, really. Like everything you do, ev- just because it well, that works for me, well, it might not work for another manager yeah, in another business. But was so, there like a turning point, like fucking hell, like, this is not working? No, uh, not really. It's just a gradual process. Like I Fair sat enough. down with like obviously my own monthly board reviews and sat down with like team performance where we need to focus, etc. And the one thing you'll find in the first six months is the team was quite up and down. Yeah. It'd have some really good months and it'd have some awful months and then there'd be nothing in the pipeline and we'd pull it out of the bag the next month. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Isn't it? <laughs> um, just so, caramel. Yeah, then we pull it out of the bag the next month. But it was like just really up and down. That's what you find with quite junior recruiters. So it's definitely me in my first like when I first started my career, like that's what you find. People are up, down, up, down, up, down. And as they're getting more experience, really you shouldn't, 
you shouldn't really have yeah, too it should many. be more consistent yeah okay mate so then after so okay cool so then after that did you continue managing then or did you go to what was the what was the level after that no so i went to um when i stopped being a manager at the start of this year and got promoted to director that was almost oh, so a, you managed up until a year ago pretty much yeah oh, yeah, really? yeah and then it was kind of back to basics um and obviously building the, the u.s business from scratch what did you um so what did you get the team up to if i don't know before in terms you, of size yeah um four i think four yeah okay that's think interesting so. and we were looking at we're looking at growing and, and hiring more and and all the rest of it but i guess i had real ambitions to work abroad um and it, at the start of every year we have a basically stay interviews so like what do you want to achieve for the next year kind of stay interviews yeah so they they're interviews that effectively you put into place even if people aren't leaving so you know how people have leaving interviews when they've handed in their notes yeah, or whatever that's, that's really interesting so we have stay interviews at least kind of once or twice a year so it's basically looking at right okay well where where is what we're doing matching up to your expectations what do you want more that's of really or, all of that kind of stuff and so how long have they done that for um two three years maybe yeah so it's it's just it's a way of keeping employees engaged yeah because if you think about it yeah leaving interviews typically isn't it so it's like why are we not having interviews when we want people to stay and talk about it yeah exactly simple but it makes sense yeah and you can't like sometimes it's difficult because the stay interviews everyone will say everything's great and then they hand in their notice a month later (laughs) you said everything was amazing like what's going on but so you can't like I guess kind of like polygraph still, but it's still worth yeah, 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 absolutely. What, so what, give me the typical format um, out of interest. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. So it'd basically be how you feel, how, are you, uh, how do you feel things are going at the moment, kind of typical questions like what do you enjoy about your job? Mm. What, what do you enjoy about your role currently? What ambitions do you have over the next three, four, six, mm. 12 months? What do you enjoy doing? What do you not enjoy doing? How could your life be made easier? Um, how are you feeling more generally about like and this would be the person that you report into owner of the business in your yeah case. so Rich has typically done them before for, yeah. for me but yeah it would be whoever so we're not like a massive office so it's yeah. not we're not necessarily no, too I think, I really like that idea. I think that's really smart yeah I think that's really cool you take I think it for people, your business I think <laughs> well I think people can use that can't they I think that's a really yeah. even if in, even in their sort of small team potentially with a big business or smaller business and would you have them how often before we move on um, I think it's, it's up to you probably like twice a year twice I think a year well, yeah. I think it's I like what that. we've kind of maybe like check in yeah six months yeah and how are things going are we on track to hit, yeah, hit and, the and goals we, that you set out yeah we discuss those things at the end of every month anyway so we have like monthly board reviews mm. where we have like a traffic light system in terms of what are you what are you really happy with what do you think is going really well what are you not happy with and then like a number system like what needs to what are we doing okay but what could we improve yeah so it's like a constant feedback system of like not only in reviews but again kind of we're a really small office so if you had one of the great things about the like the founding directors they're, they're so down to earth like yeah. if you ever had an issue whether I was a trainee or whether I'm a director now I, I could go up to them and be like look this really needs to improve yeah like, you or, can speak to them yeah exactly but I, I, like, I like those check-ins I think that's really smart yeah. Okay, so let's um, yeah let let's let's really dig into this American experience so far because I think a lot of people could get value out of it because I think I mean you could just jump on LinkedIn and look online and everyone's saying that you can make a lot of cash yeah. in America cash right? money. as a recruiter or should yeah. I say headhunter? Head yeah. <laughs> so, firstly, 
how and why America in your market? Like, wh what happened for you to go? So you said that it's been a personal driver for you to want to work abroad. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. So how, where, why did you um, see the opportunity in your market to um, spread your wings and, um, yeah, do America? Where did that come from, firstly? So it was more of a... So basically, we sat down at the start of this year um, and basically talked about, like, what we want to achieve, etc. Um, and as I said, kind of made, made it clear that to which, like, look, I really want to work abroad. Like, I'm not sure kind of how we can make it work and whatever else, but, like, this is, like, a real ambition of mine and I'm 30 at the end of this year, so cracking on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and it basically we sat down in terms of, right, okay, we'll look, we'll look to launch an office. And it was kind of as simple as that. And it was like, right, okay, well, look, we want to do, you want to use an incubator model. So Australia would be really difficult unless you want to look at nights. So if we look at the available markets to us, we could look at, could look to Europe, but I don't speak, I speak like average Spanish at best. Yeah. So again, kind of, kind of limited in there. And America is somewhere that I've been drawn back to every year for the last like six years. So mm. I have two of my best mates are married in American girls and been married over there. So I've been groomsmen. Been there a few times. Yeah, so I've been groomsmen in two okay. weddings in America. Uh, my other half's dad and family live in Vermont. Um, okay. So okay, you know what? I I really like that point. So I think firstly, from your own again, this is really personal to you, but I'm pretty sure I've heard this before. Working abroad is great, blah blah blah. But like you've had some sort of personal driver or personal attachment to potential country that you could work in or you're yeah. driven to work within i think that's a really important point to make right because yeah yeah okay that, i like that that's interesting. particularly at startup stage because it's you plus kind of one or two others yeah so if you don't actually have any attachment or any interest in the place you work and obviously from that we kind of built out and i built business cases for like two or three countries in terms of right okay well look these are the markets. and you took them to rich you're the direct the yeah, yeah 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 okay. exactly yeah so we so what we, did you do to okay so what did you do to um, identify a business case? So talking to, to other recruiters, so some okay. of the networking groups have been, been really, really good. Um, speaking to people that actually that have worked in those countries. So okay. the great fact about energy and utilities is that it's a really small world and that a lot of the candidates that we've worked with have worked in France, Spain, they've worked in the US. So leverage your network to go, yeah, well, I'm, think, I'm actually thinking about blah, 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 yeah, what do you think? Yeah, and at the, obviously at the start of this year, like there are loads of other companies that were out in the US or, and there's loads of like buzz and chats around it. Um, so yeah, so I managed to, to leverage a couple of those relationships as well and it gets kind of people that one of, um, I must admit, I've had a good insight because one of my friends who used to work for this company several years ago, um, she actually left us to go to work for a company in New York um, and I was actually in finance um, and she honestly like lived the absolute life like they they're a really like established company like really like nailed their niche in the finance market and there were she I rung her once and she said there was a consultant that did a deal and he made himself 150 grand or something off the back no that was like that was not the fee that was him himself Shut he up. made that no so like I knew it was obviously a booming market from and I spoke to her like a, a, quite a lot in terms of really this is it. But brain. obviously they they've been going like 10, 20 years. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. So that's obviously the ambition and they've done really well to nail down their niche. And part of us for, for America was the fact that there isn't really any or there aren't many other like energy specialist recruiters out there. So actually now's a really good time to absolutely like, kind of lead from that example, absolutely nail the niche. 
um, and get out there. And that's what, what basically I've been, been trying to do for the last eight months or so. Okay, cool. So leverage as much of your network as possible, personal yeah. and professional, to identify a real opportunity. Okay, great. So how, where, did, where did you begin? Like, li, like how, how and where did you begin? Do you know what I mean? Because that must, yeah. yeah, like where did you begin? How did you even start? So again, kind of, it's, it is always going to be a bit of a trial and error period. So whereas a lot of people go to the US with, like, oh, I was working with so I was working with this so and so major account yeah. and like McKesson or whatever, and they happen to have like loads of roles in the US. So I just filled them and then I worked from there. Like we were literally from scratch. Yeah. So this was a decision not necessarily based on the fact that we were working with loads of clients that that had US had jobs over there like and were given us jobs in the UK. Like this is an active decision we've made to go and break into those markets. So what the fuck did you do? But it kind of, again, kind of the same as like when I first started with contract, you're going to map out the market. So you mapped out the market. Yeah, got to, so we cho- or have chosen and, and still focus on really kind of three states. Um, so they were based in New York, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. Um, already kind of earmarked Boston as a, a location that I think would be really great to be in. Um, and why did you pick those? East Coast, so the time difference isn't as bad. Um, West Coast's a nightmare, so East Coast five hours behind, West Coast's Okay, time difference, and then when you did the mapping out exercise, there was what, businesses and opportunities? Yeah, lo- lots, of, lots of businesses, the salary's pretty high around those areas, so obviously kind of the fees are higher. Um, did you just do this through like LinkedIn, typical LinkedIn? Or yeah, like generally, Google? like so again, kind of leverage to the hill, all the relationships we had, like any CEOs, any C-suite, like again, kind of it's quite a small world. So a lot of CEOs yeah. people have had some interaction with the US. Um, so I, I would literally call And what did you like, say to these people? I, well, I'm quite fortunate in terms of, like I'm not a very salesy salesperson. So yeah, but you was born to do sales, mate. <laughs> my relationship with clients is, I mean, with candidates as well, like most of it is like, we're just really good mates. Yeah. Like, and they might be... Six so you just years. ask for help. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I think if mo- most people respond, if you call them up and look, um, this is what I'm launching. They're, they're really excited for a start anyway. And it's like, look, I'm looking for any help. And I did the same thing with my recommendations. I was like, I've, I've, I placed with you three years ago. Like, I didn't call in the favor then, but actually I really need some recommendations from people that I've placed with um, because I know that people are, that's what people are going to be basing me on initially mm. and that's what they're going to be judging me on. What on LinkedIn so, you're on about? Yeah. Okay. So like, you just got to cash in what favors you can and like beg, yeah. steal and borrow to an extent. Okay. So... Really leverage your network. Yeah. So how the fuck did you start cracking this then? So I basically built up a client list of like 200 clients. Okay. Like, so mo- like half of which have been like thrown out the window now because they're either kind of way too big a company to be working with now and are going to take years to break into or whatever else. Um, but basically mapped out in those areas who the water suppliers were, who the energy suppliers are. Um, who the con- like utility consultancies are, who the regulators are, etc., and basically just just went from there. So you just started cold calling, kind of introductions over LinkedIn and arranging calls. And the one thing the Americans are, are really, really good at, um, from our perspective, is that they're very social beings. So they're always keen on networking. They're like far more overt about everything than we are in in the UK. So. A lot of people in the UK are quite scared of like asking for a favor. Yeah. Whereas Americans would just be like, yeah, I want to speak to you because I want to network with you and see what I can get from you in the future. Like they, they, they're just that is part of their culture. They're really, 
really avert and that's kind of the way I am as well so actually it's kind of blended really well but from the start literally map out your client and just start talking to people like what do you struggle to recruit for like who are coming back to you or kind of any mail shots or emails and ultimately kind of just we we had a rough idea like I had a rough idea in terms of the way that I wanted to go I was always going to remain with energy and utilities because that's what I've done for the last six years so we were never going to go miles out of our comfort zone but in terms of the areas that we have gone into they're slightly different than I initially thought they might be um, but they're still really well aligned to stuff that we've recruited in the past and yeah. what we're doing in the UK so yeah so there's been an open of flexibility um, to your approach and again it's about the long-term game and it, it's you're taking the long-term mindset it could lead to more of what you do want yeah long term and I think that's what it's key to like career in recruitment and I think that really recruitment only works for people that want a career like I, I've never really understood the people that spend a year in a place and then they're on to the next place for like a grand on their basic or something yeah. like for me if you want to be really if you want to succeed in recruitment in, and it depends what your definition of success is but if you want to succeed in recruitment you've got to be in it for a period of time yeah. and you've got to be known in your network and you've, you've got to stick it out you've got to stick out yeah, the tough times sure. okay. but you've got to adapt as well okay so Matt's out the clients you're then proactively calling them reaching out messaging asking for help asking to network etc etc yeah <clears throat> So you've touched on it a bit, but like, what would you say then, just to make it really clear for everyone listening, who's thinking, I'm actually, you know what, this sounds really interesting, I'd love to get into the American market, blah, 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 blah. Like, what has been the biggest difference when, like, you've built a desk in the UK, you've cold called people, blah, 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 to now in America doing the exact same thing, what's been the biggest difference? Um, biggest learning curve for me has been understanding kind of their processes so the processes out there as i found them and again kind of these would be different in different industries and i've spoken to other recruiters out there and they say it's completely different for them okay. so for, for me personally the clients that that i've worked with they're they're not necessarily so recruitment isn't as well known out there whereas like someone here you could talk to and say I'm a recruiter and people understand the general process yeah. so what do you mean not what, as in what do you mean by well that? just recruitment hasn't existed as long out there okay so if you say I, I work for a headhunter like you will have to explain or sometimes most of the time you have to explain what a headhunter does so this is my role this is what I do this is the part I play this is what I can do for you <laughs> yeah and so it's like it, it's probably what recruitment was like in the 80s or, or whatever. I, I imagine mm. I'm not that old. So. And then when you say processes, do you mean the client processes? Yeah. So because I guess kind of because you have an element of trust or I had a, a good element of trust with all my clients, they'd probably offer after one or two stages. Really? Um, and like they could be done. I've had deals done from job spec taken to placement in yeah. a week. But um, in America, but in America, obviously, kind of no one knows who who we are for for a start. So that's taking a, a bit of a while to establish trust. But kind of like I was saying before, their their price is a bit slower. So you've got to be planning. You've got to understand where you're going to get your short term, medium term, and long term wins from, um, and understand that you can have candidates forward for every job. But you've got to have be really like tight on your forecasting. So know that if I have someone for an interview today, it's probably not going to be until two months where they might actually get an offer if they get to, to that stage. So for me, the key thing has been looking at, and the scale is so much bigger in the US, right? Mm. Like, so small companies out there are like 
2,000 employees. Like, yeah. yeah, like, whereas my immediate wins have come from companies that are like 50 to 200. In and America. that for them, yeah, that for them is tiny. Really? But they're the ones that move quicker. They have less bureaucracy. They don't have yeah. talent acquisition departments, which all of the kind of large... And they have, they're the people that you've ended up focusing on. They're the, they're the short-term wins, yeah. And then the longer-term wins are bigger companies that we still have interviews going through with now, like I mentioned to you before, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the fees and... But you're aware that the, but you're aware, as you said, but yeah, but yeah, you've got to be aware. Yeah. That, that's smart. Yeah, but you've got to be aware that they're going to take some time to filter through. So it's a much bigger company, uh, company bit, much bigger country, much bigger market. And generally the clients are a lot bigger because they've just got a lot more people. So you just got to be quite tight and understanding, well, got to understand your market first and foremost, and then understand who the big fish are, understand that they're probably going to take a while to break into or they're going to take a while with a process. So rather than waiting six months, rather than waiting six months in terms of, I guess I'm not going to do a deal for the first 12 yeah, months to break right into now. this one, understand where you're okay. going to get your quick wins from. And how the hell do these people perceive and react and what is their experience from what you've seen and heard and experienced from, hi, it's Will calling and I'm, yeah. it's Will in fucking Birmingham, like I'm calling you... Do you know what I mean? Like, how is that received? Pretty open. Really? Yeah, like, I've not... I'm not so people really, don't need to worry about that? No, I've, like, I've not really had any objections about it. Like, some, some people think it's really cool. Some people, like, have some question marks. But, like, with video conferencing now... The, yeah. like, so would you typically, if you cold call them or whatever, and then are you jumping on a video call to get a job spec or anything like that? Yeah, so I, I try as much as I can to get face-to-face -face time. So if it's over a video call, all the candidates that I, I have interview, like I'll, I'll FaceTime them or whatever. Yeah, that was going to be my next once. question. Like, and then how have you found the candidate sourcing piece in, 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 in the States? Like, um, so it's not, it's, the process isn't any different. Yeah, so we're, we're putting a lot more focus on headhunting. So... It's a lot more, whereas in the UK, people probably a lot more active on job sports. Um, out there for us, we're having to do a lot more around like almost like cold headhunting, a lot more around LinkedIn work, basically abandoned job sports. So mm. everything we're doing is... So you identifying someone on LinkedIn and calling them at their desk? Yeah. Really? Basically, yeah. Or, or again, kind of message them on LinkedIn. They're, yeah, they're yeah. really... Even if people are really happy in their jobs, like they've not got an intention. They're happy to uh, talk. Yeah, they're generally happy to talk. <laughs> but they'll tell you that. Like, they'll just be like, yeah, look, I'm, I'm networking. Yeah. Like, I have no intention of leaving. And that's fine. They're, they're really upfront. So has LinkedIn been your main source then? Yeah. Would you say is that fair? Yeah, link, LinkedIn recruiter, referrals. I've been like really, really hot on referrals. Really? Um, yeah, anyone else you know that's leaving? What's the state of the team? Um, and just is there anyone good in the market you know that might be looking yeah, anytime yeah, yeah. soon and again people are really keen to network so that's kind of how I built up and then so far then so you're eight months in yeah how would you sum up their perception I know you're touching it like how would you sum up a candidate candidate's perception of a recruiter um, if they know what a recruiter is like some people have literally never, the, the job spec that I just took before this, the guy's never used a headhunter before. Okay, never so what's their perception of a headhunter? Because like in the UK, right? Yeah. The perception is shark, fucking snake oil salesman. Yeah. So like from your experience so far, because this is what a lot of people yeah. say, right? I'd say, I'd say it's pretty ambivalent. Like really? To be honest, they, yeah, they don't have, most of them haven't worked with a recruiter before, like they've not had any any experience. They've not had good. They've not had bad. Yeah. So it's it's a, mental. Yeah. So not. I mean, it's they because they're much bigger businesses and much bigger companies. Generally speaking, they all have talent acquisition departments. 
So that's why I talk about the short, short-term wins, medium-term wins, long-term wins. Anywhere, any bigger company is going to have a team of like 20, 30 people. And like, I, in the clients that we've worked with, I don't know a company that has like 30 people in the talent acquisition department. Like for me, that's absolute madness. Yeah, that's mental. But out there, they will have it. So like they generally go through them or they're approached by them. And you've got to acknowledge that some of them are really good at their job. Yeah. So it might take you a while for a vacancy that they can't fill or, or whatever else. But in terms of candidate experience, they're generally approached by internal recruiters. Internal recruiters. So yeah. the headhunter and the perception of a typical agency recruit in the UK is, yeah. is totally different. Exactly. So it's, it's not good. It's not bad. They're just, they yeah. don't, a lot of them just typically haven't used them before. And you recently went over there? Yeah, I went over there last week. Really? How's yeah. that? Brilliant. Really? Yeah, Bath kind of pounding the pavement in 30 degree heat, um, which really? was, yeah, it's just a sweaty mess. By and the and was you sort of, lead, was you really focusing on leading up to that, to like, you knew you wanted to get over there, but before you went over there, you wanted to try and build some relationships, get some jobs on, and then you thought, actually, was that the process or? Yeah, I, I think like the couple of weeks before it. So kind of I had to sit down at, the end of last month and I guess kind of would like I really want to go over there not too sure everything we're, we're doing with the US is very organic yeah, so yeah. the fees that we have come in fund trips to the US or whatever else mm. so as soon as that kind of first deal came in that kind of easily paid for and why did you want to do that what go out there yeah I think they're just really keen on face-to-face time and it Basically, kind of yeah. puts a bit more not that I've had any doubts from clients about oh, you're in the UK, whatever else. Yeah. But I genuinely so think they really... It even more. Yeah, I think they really appreciated someone actually coming, flying 5,000 miles to sit down with them. And hopefully, obviously time will tell, but it seems to be a pretty kind of fruitful week. And from now, I'll probably be out there every two months. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So what everyone's thinking, mate. Yes. Can you make big, juicy fees in America? You can. Yeah. What does that like? Talk to me. Typical, so the typical fee and terms that you've pitched, agreed, what does that typically set around? So in terms of, so first and foremost, the salaries are much higher. Okay, salaries are much higher. Much higher. So in our market, again, it, it may well differ um, in, in other Different industries. Markets, but yeah. yeah, but if you put it into dollars and then put 100 grand in front of it, that's the equivalent of what... So a project manager in the UK might earn 50 grand, might earn okay. 50 to 70. In there, they'll earn a, a minimum 150 to $170,000. Wow. Um, so obviously with the exchange rates probably going to tank with Brexit and stuff, it's not bad for us at the moment. Yeah. Um, but the fees that we're charging are probably average. I think in the UK, it's not, it's not too different uk is probably 17.5 yeah off the top of my head yeah I, yeah we i used to, i used to charge we used to charge 50 i'll walk away point was 15 yeah and then but we'd push for between 15 and 20 yeah so. i think yeah, but it's so definitely if, more 15 yeah so if you yeah so if you look at the, the average fees in in the uk more generally you'd probably say they're what 15 to 20 you might have the ultimate like london client that yeah. might agree to 25 30 yeah. out there i think the I've charged 20 for retainer. Okay. But again... But when we, you're pitching for contingent... Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the large majority of terms that I've signed have been 30%. Fucking hell. So, there have been a couple that I've signed retainer at... Uh, but you've discounted it because it's guaranteed income and you want yeah, some of that. Yeah, and a couple at 25 and then um, a couple at 20. But again, we're talking about kind of retainer on 10 roles. 
Um, yeah, so there's obviously a real commercial benefit to that. But if we're talking, there's a lot of still fucking contingent recruiters, obviously. So it's like, yeah. but and you've confidently been signed 30%. Yeah. And I think that's mad. And I mean, I was actually writing a piece on it, which you'll absolutely love being Mr. Personal Branding. <laughs> um, but about there's no other industry that you work on contingency. It's like yeah. if you if you wanted to build a house, would you employ three builders to build you three houses and then pay them for what the one you liked most? Like that would never happen in any... So do you not do any contingent roles anymore? I do. I work exclusive roles. Um, and sometimes I'm against internal What does head. exclusive mean, though, mate? It just means that you're the only agency on it. Like you've got it, but how you, but do you know that? I mean, I'm, I'm not sat in their offices, so you can have a bit of trust, Tishan. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. But it's, it's hard, isn't it? It's like... I don't like... 100% I've, you want an exclusive, but like you yeah. don't actually know if... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, look, you've got to take people at face value. Definitely. And, but I think ultimately you want to use that to then go, well, look, I know you've been working on exclusive roles. This, this is experience that you've had. Let me tell you about a retained solution that I have. Yeah. That there's commitment from both sides. These are, the, these are the benefits, blah, blah, blah. So I guess you want to aim to lead to that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And look, a lot of, to be honest, a lot of American companies will want to work on contingency, like who wouldn't because it's no risk. Pay for, yeah, exactly. No. Yeah, exactly. But like for, for me, I think it's about sitting down as, and some you won't, like some squarely will only work to contingency because that's all they've ever known. And maybe you have to do a really good service. And then after that, you, you work on retainer. May, like maybe you do, maybe you don't, but they're never going to be your main. It's difficult because if you've got three retained roles and then you've got, one that's gone to three other agencies, what are you going to put your yeah, time exactly. and effort into? Yeah. There's like a reality. You want, to, you want to fill every role for every single company, no matter what the circumstances are. Everyone does because it makes you money. It yeah. grows your business. It keeps the client yeah, You've got to prioritize. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's... And again, kind of Americans are much more like overt about stuff. So they're very aware of that and they're aware that they might not get as good a service. So if you're working on contingent or the people that will only work on contingent sometimes are the, I guess, kind of really small companies that have had an awful experience, so have been really hurt by one or two or three recruiters mm. and then will will never work, work on retain or they don't think they will. Mm. But equally, like if the company that I've placed a, a couple of roles with um, most recently, they're a really small company. So Okay, so let's let's round this off, mate. As we come to the end, how long, let's just paint a real picture because I think you've been really honest here, which I think is amazing. How long has it took you to get some jobs on, make a couple of placements? How long would you say? Took me five or six months. Wow. Yeah, first three months were hard. Like, really, like, how the fuck did you get through that? Just a lot. Just before, how the, just before oh. we finish, like, how the fuck did you get through that? Because you've gone from obviously knowing knowing your patch inside out, knowing your market, blah 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 blah, to now literally starting somewhere from scratch. Must have been fucking horrible. Five, yeah, it's five it, six months not getting. Anything. It's just a mindset thing. Like, and it, and like, I speak to absolutely like anyone that I've trained or mentored or whatever else. Like, the one thing that I've always said to them is that you've got to trust the process. Like, I think the reason why the reason why I have a lot of consultants, and I'm guilty of this as well, or have been guilty of this, is that recruitment isn't rocket science. It isn't rocket science. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it can become quite repetitive. And sometimes, 
you know what works and you know what will work. If you make enough, if you make enough calls, if you're targeting the right market, if you're specific to your clients, if you're in a niche and you're really kind of nailing all of your data and all of like your, your focus points, you're going to do deals. It's literally a matter of time. But what people do will go kind of off script or they think they've got loads of jobs on so they won't do any calls and that's when they drop off a cliff. Mm. Um, so everything that I've always said and any, like, any new consultant, I always say to basically trust the process. We train you really well. Like just trust what we're saying. And if you do it, you'll be successful because yeah. all other people... No, I, I do like, I remember my director saying that, trust the process. Yeah, and it, like if you've got people in the business that are progressed from trainee up to... We've now got four senior consultants upstairs we've got one that's pushing to be a manager i've gone from trainee to director like it works like what our trust train the process yeah exactly trust, trust the process really had that in mind when it was you might have been felt like bashing your head against the wall like yeah. you know this works and it's gonna you know fail. it's gonna be shit like you know the first three months like i walked away from like a, a really like super warm desk where i know the clients where i know i've got commission coming in and i know you know what you're letting yourself in for but like you do it for a reason so you just got to go back to what your drivers are originally yeah. and like understand that it's going to be tough that in the first year of a startup when you start up a desk anything that can go wrong probably will go wrong yeah but you've got to be resilient and you've got to tough it out and that's just kind of the whether you do it in the uk whether you do it in the us you australia azerbaijan wherever you're going to set up your desk like <laughs> it's like it's, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna be tough like recruitment isn't easy the p that's why the people that have stayed in it have really kind of reaped the rewards, but a lot of people kind of come in and get burnt out or duck out or whatever after a year or two years. And that's never enough time to actually like give something a real shot. Yeah. Okay. Before we finish then. Yes. If I'm a recruiter right now listening, <clears throat> absolutely loved what you've said really really thinking about actually you know what in my market there there definitely is an opportunity to, to branch into america blah 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 yeah. how would you wrap up being now nearly 12 months into doing that journey and starting it from scratch from zero like what do i need to think about and what would be just the key things that right hisham if you're thinking about it seriously these are the things that you need to think about i would i think you've just got to have a fairly solid business plan. Like, yeah. have an idea in terms of... Actually, have a bit of a strategy. Yeah, so have a bit of a strategy. Like, understand the areas you're going to go out. Understand, like, why as well. Like, yeah, why are you doing that? Where are the salaries higher? Do you know there are specific businesses? Like, the f the first part of call, of call for me would always be, like, what relationships have I got now that have offices out there? Yeah, okay. Like, I think that's such an what, easy what, way. Yeah, what, how, what, how can you leverage your current network? Look yeah. at that. Yeah, li literally in... I think that's obviously mo how most companies actually end up going out there. It's almost a case of a client said to me, I've got a role in Chicago and can I fill it? And that they do it that yeah. way. Ours was a bit more inorganic in terms of specifically mm. targeting it. But and then you just got to literally beg, borrow and steal, like go to anyone you know. And I've literally incentivized all the consultants in the office to anyone, anytime they talk to a UK person, any senior person in the industry. If you worked in the US, do you know anyone in yeah, the US? Okay. So really leverage your network have yeah. a strategy what else go for it trust the process yeah it's just like if what you've done in the UK will work really well there the only the only difference that I've noticed with my clients is that they don't respond well to I guess kind of constant calls and what I would mean by constant calls is I would happily I could be at the phone to my clients in the UK three four times a week and I know that they I know they pick up the phone 
because it's a quick five minute catch up, just needed this, etc. Whereas out in the US, you tend to find that you have to schedule calls a lot more. <laughs> okay. Um, and whether it's the case of they're busier or, or whatever, but you've got, as long as you understand that, and again, kind of that might slow down the process. So you're planning for that, you're setting realistic milestones. Um, and obviously, from an internal perspective, making sure that you know, like with your bosses and, what, and whatnot, like what you want to achieve and yeah. what, what is realistic and what... The great thing about the US is there, there are, there's a lot of money to be made out there, but you've got to set realistic timescales because it's a big company and it takes a certain amount of investment as well. So if your own company doesn't have the appetite for that, then you're going to be kind of fighting a losing battle, really. But if you're good in the UK, there is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't absolutely smash it in the US. Mm. Okay, mate. Yeah. Amazing. Enjoyed it. So, before we finish, yeah. what, are you, what are you excited about, mate, before, uh, besides smashing up um, the US? Christmas trip to the US. Nice. Yeah, that'll be fun. So I'll be out there at some point in December. Wicked. So that'll be really good. Um... First hire, probably early, late this year, early next Fighting. year. What, do some resourcing for you? Yeah, or, or biz, new business or, nice. or whatever, yeah. So Start the, building out the so American team, the new US biz, team. Yeah, exactly. Like new, S, new business people just tend to be a lot harder to find. Yeah. So new hire over the next few months, trip to the US. Um, but yeah, no, it's, like, it's, it's really exciting. It's like what I've really enjoyed about growing desks and whatnot is like it's your own baby. Yeah, yeah. And everything that comes off the back of that, you, you've achieved. You know, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Special so, feeling that, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, mate. So, last question. If you could communicate to everyone, they'd listen, every recruiter out there, they'd take on your advice, they'd implement it tomorrow. Could be a word, a phrase. What would it be? Big question. What comes um, probably trust the process yeah and be a person be human yeah it's just like for me I've always set about just trying to be super personable and I guess being trusted yeah I think someone on your one of your other podcasts said that like their mission was to be the most trusted recruiter in, the indus in their yeah. industry and that's exactly what I've done like I think if you've if you've not got trust with your candidates you've not got trust with your clients what like they're got? Yeah, exactly. They're like, they're one shit. Be human, be trusted. Yeah, exactly. Trust the process, work hard and you'll be fine. Mate, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. No worries.